Welcome to the Victory Life Church Podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. Man, God is good, amen. I want to just welcome those tuning in online. My name is Jacob. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to say thank you for being a part of this amazing day on Valentine's Day. And I know maybe some of you men were like, dang, I totally forgot about that. I got to do something right after service. Um, but uh, I just want to honor and bless my wife. Happy Valentine's Day. I haven't done the best job the past, you know, we've been married for six years in the past you know, years, it's been tough. I, I wake up in the morning and I completely forgot. I run over to Walgreens because it's open 24-7. I grab some things, put it on the table, and then go back to sleep and wake up. Be like, ta-da. But this year, this year, I was, I was, uh, I was, I was, I was ready, right? I was ready. And I, I got some things and I did it right. And uh, maybe not all right, but I was prepared. And that's just glory to Siri who reminded me about it. So uh, I, I just, uh, man, I want to honor all of those who are together. Happy Valentine's Day. I hope it's everything you dreamed and imagined of. And, you know, I can't help but think of this particular passage in Romans that we're going to go through on a day where we are to honor and, and take some pride in the ones that we love or the one that we love. I want to talk about taking pride in the God that we love and the God that we serve. We can be prideful about God. Amen. We can boast about God. And so I want to do that today as we look in uh, a, a verse in chapter 1 of Romans in verse 16. Let me read it. This is found in uh, chapter 1, verse 16. If you could put it up on the screen for me. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everybody who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. It says, For in the gospel of the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. If you're taking notes, the title of today's message is Unashamed, Unashamed. So Father, we thank you and we love you. And God, as we open up the word, as we open up your scriptures, we, as we talk about truth, so Lord, would it change us, would it challenge us, would it shape us? Lord, would we be changed forever by it and because of it? And because of what we read and because of what we learn, would it stem out of us? And would it go into every area that we find ourselves in, our communities, our jobs, our places, or the spaces that we, we live in? Lord, would your name be the thing that we shout the loudest? And so we thank you for that. And it's in Jesus' name, all God's people said in one loud voice, amen, amen. Do me a favor, ask somebody next to you, are you a prideful person? Are you a prideful person? Not at all. I'm the most humble person there is out there. I mean, I'm amazingly humble. <laughs> what do you take pride in? What do you take pride in? Is it, you know, we, we take pride in things. We boast about things. What is it? Is it your kids? Is it your family? Is it the success you have? Is it the motorcycle you got because you're going through a midlife crisis? Um, what is it? Is it your hair? You know, is it your hair? Like I said, my dad at his age still doesn't seem to have a gray hair in his head. Meanwhile, um, I'm still in the 30, and I seem to have quite a few. I don't understand it. I don't get it. Is that because of you, Dad, or is that because of Mom? Why, why am I having some gray hairs? 
But do I have anybody in here that takes pride in their hair or maybe lack of hair? I, you know, I don't know. Maybe you, you like to, lack of hair, you like to, to color your hair. I'm a big fan of just changing it up, keeping my wife on her toes, you know, keeping her surprised, showing up. Uh, one day I was like, I'm going to go platinum because I feel like that's what the spirit inside of me is telling me. And so I decided to go platinum. It wasn't strange or unusual. You know, many of you know who I am, and I just change it up all the time. And so I came home, and it was not platinum, but it was purple. And the look on my wife's face when I walked through that door, I mean, she was so disappointed. Talk about being ashamed of being, uh, you know, my, my wife. But to be honest, I was prideful in it. I repped that purple hair like none other. I mean, it slowly faded into the platinum that I wanted it. But I was like, man, I love this. I think, you know, sometimes what we take pride in isn't necessarily welcomed or accepted by everybody else, right? What we take pride in isn't, other people don't always take pride in what you take pride in. In fact, they'll take pride in disagreeing with what you're prideful in. But, of course, you know that if you're a prideful person because what you take pride in is out in the open and you should expect opposition, right? You can't be a, you can't be a, a um, prideful and remain in the closet. you got to be out in the open, right? You, you, can't, you can't be prideful about something that nobody knows you're prideful about. Well, you know what, I'm just going gonna, gonna to hide it, not let anybody see it, because I don't want anybody to know about it. Then I would say you're probably not prideful about anything. Is this what Paul did? Absolutely not. Look with me in verse Romans, uh, Romans verse uh, 16 of chapter 1. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am unashamed about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want everybody to know who I believe in. Do you? Are you that type of person like Paul who would say, I'm unashamed about what I believe in? I am an outspoken believer, or am I a closet believer? If I were to ask your closest friends what you are most passionate about, what would they say? As a rule of thumb, you want to find somebody's character, you want to find out somebody's integrity, you want to find out where somebody is really at, ask their closest friends. Parents, maybe I could ask your kids. You want to know what somebody's really passionate about? Or what they really want to show, check their Instagram account. Azar is going to be all over it. It's what they post. It's what they talk about. It's in their captions. Maybe it really is their kids. Maybe it really is their dogs. Or maybe it is their cats. Maybe it is their, their motorcycle. Whatever it is, check it out. And you will see what they are most passionate about. Listen, social media, whether you agree with it or not, whether you have it or not, whether you don't like it or not, it is a platform that we have an opportunity to display everything that we are, everything that we re represent, everything that we want people to know what we do and yet we post pictures of our cats and the food that we just ate last night. Now I'm not saying that's wrong. Don't hear me uh, what I'm not saying because I, I do that but I just think we've been given a platform that we really didn't deserve and the question is are we really doing anything about it? Are we really displaying, passionately proclaiming the one thing that we are supposed to proclaim? Sometimes we got it backwards what have you done with the platform you've been given what have you done with the influence that you've been given what have you done with everybody that would listen if you speak the truth is you are leading somebody question is where are you leading them you're going to lead them somewhere where are you leading them we have done a great job and we have also done a horrible job and I understand that we need to be creative and we need to be careful I remember working at Chick-fil-A do I have anybody that used to work at Chick-fil-A chicken of the Lord and uh you know I had a I had a 
problem with talking to people. I, um, I, I love talking to people, and sometimes that would get me into trouble. And so I'd be out in the, the, the dining room, you know, just taking people's trash. And, you know, I like to smile. I don't know about you, but I'm just a smiley person. And, and when somebody would come up to me and say, why are you always smiling? I was like, ooh, come on. Jesus, you couldn't have teed that up better. Why am I always smiling? Because my happiness does not depend on what is happening, but my joy depends on the Jesus that I love. I am smiling because I got Jesus inside of me. And then I get yelled at because you can't talk about that at Chick-fil-A. This is a business. And I get that. I get that. I understand. Most people there are in there. My operator was a believer, but I was finding myself struggling with really being passionate about how can I work get paid to do what I do and talk about Jesus. And so I entered into the ministry and it's working pretty well. I loved it. This is what I wanted to do. This is what I, all I wanted to say. I was at a conference where John Maxwell, who's a famous, you know, a well-known leadership and, and obviously a believer, but he does a lot of leadership uh, conferences. He does a lot of business conferences. I remember being at one of them where I got to see him speak and it was a Christian conference and said, he said, when I go to these business or leadership meetings, I tell them I got five things that are gonna make them a better person. Five things that are going to challenge their, their, their walk. Not necessarily their spiritual walk. Again, you start talking about Jesus at some of these things, he might not get welcomed back. So he says, I got five things that's going to make you a better leader, but I can only give you four. Because the fifth is personal. So I'm going to give you four. And what do you think? When he was done, everybody came flocking to him asking, what's the fifth one? And the fifth one was his faith. And so I get it. Sometimes we got to be creative. Sometimes we have to be careful. He goes on to say, when the world needs something you got, they'll hang around you until they find out what it is. And you better make sure you know and they know what it is and it's loud and clear. Amen. Now, I know I'm not perfect and I got a lot of work to do, but I want people to know who I am unashamed about. I want people to know who I am. And sometimes we have to be reminded of who we are. In fact, 1 Peter 2.9 says this. You can write down this reference. 1 Peter 2.9, he says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Go ahead and tell yourself out loud, I am God's special possession. In fact, tell the person next to you, you are God's special possession. And the person you neglected on the other side also tell them so they're, they're assured that they are also God's special possession. Here's why. That you may declare. Somebody say declare. Come on, somebody shout declare. Declare that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. I'm going to put it on my doorstep. I'm going to put it on the back of my car. I'm going to tattoo it to my arm. I ain't scared to let people know that I love Jesus. And we'll be offering complimentary tattoos outside in the lobby. We'll tell you, we'll tell you what we're going to put on your, you can, tell, you can tell us where you want it. But it, I want people to know, church, I heard it said, I better not have a conversation with somebody in 15 minutes into that they don't know that I love Jesus. You know that about our senior pastor, don't you? You can't get anywhere without him talking about Jesus. You can't get out. He'll, he'll rope you in and talk about it. But man, that, that just stems from a personal walk. That stems from a personal relationship. That stems from this boldness, this courage to say, listen, I know this world is crazy and this society didn't really agree with me, but that's all right because narrow is the pathway that leads to righteousness and broad is the pathway that leads to destruction. Many are going to take that, but few are going to take the narrow one. I'm hopping on the narrow train. I don't know about you. I want people to know who this is. The crazy thing about this passage in 1 Peter 2.9 is that Peter's writing this to the churches who are experiencing persecution. He's writing this to people who are trying to be silenced 
for the message that they're preaching. They're, 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 they're being canceled, which we don't see any of that today. We're being canceled for the message that they're proclaiming. They have some news that'll change everything, and people don't want news that's going to make them change everything. You're talking about you're going to interrupt my life and my plans and my sins and my desires, and i got to change it all? <laughs> that ain't for me. Of course it ain't for you until it is for you. And then you automatically change. It's compelling. You change because of the grace of God and the mercy of God. And so Peter is writing this to people who are experiencing persecution, who are experiencing this, this being silenced, this being canceled. And he's saying, remain faithful. Keep it going. You got this. Keep shouting. Keep proclaiming. Listen, church, our shouts of God shouldn't soften at persecution, but they should strengthen. I'm going to get louder, not quieter. I'm going to get louder and not quieter. How do you respond to the persecution? How do you respond to the opposition? Are you encouraged to continue or are you encouraged to walk away from it? I can't always say it. I can't always talk about it. I, can't, I don't want people to know that I go to church. I don't want people to know that I go to VOC. I don't want people to know. I'm going to keep it secret. And, and God's, God's going to be like, I never knew who you were. You shouted my name sometimes. You talked about it, but I never knew you. And so that's not where I want to be. Our faith becomes stronger as we express it. A growing faith is a sharing faith, said Billy Graham. Paul says, I am unashamed. Somebody say unashamed. He's expressing, he's acting out openly, and he's not concerned about guilt. He's not concerned about embarrassment. If he were to be ashamed, that would mean he'd be disgraced in something. He'd be public humiliated in something. He would have put his confidence in something that would have failed him. You ever done that? You put your confidence, you put your resources, you put all your money in, in, in that stock, and then it has failed you, and now you walk with shame. You don't want anybody to know, you know, you ain't shouting that. You ain't, you're being secret about that. Don't tell anybody. You don't want people to know. And so here, here we find uh, Paul, who is unashamed, putting his confidence in something that was not going to let him down. What was he so unashamed about? Where was his confidence? What was it placed in? The gospel. The gospel of Jesus. The gospel. You mean, you mean the gospel that was associated and affiliated with that carpenter, Jew, who uh, was crucified, which, by the way, was the, the lowest act of execution. The Romans who did not like the Jews. The Romans who wanted nothing to do with the Jews. They weren't even on the same level. Rome was a proud city. Remember, in order to really understand this passage, we have to take a step back, understand its context, understand why Paul is saying this, and who he is saying this to, a proud city, full of great philosophers and ideologies and philosophies. This message that this man is going to bring to Rome? <laughs> I don't know about that. If I'm Paul, I'm sitting here thinking, I don't know how I'm going to take this that I have and speak to those people over here, a gospel that is coming from Jerusalem, a, a, a capital city of a nation that was, that was conquered by Rome. What is that man going to give to us? It's the high school athlete or high school athlete on the bench who thinks that they can speak into and give some counsel and wisdom to the professional all-star team. What is that man going to do in a great city, a great place as Rome? This is why I love God. Because God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Amen. 
God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Do I have any ordinary people out here in this room? Do I got any ordinary people online watching who is saying, God, I am ordinary. Make me do extraordinary things for your name's sake. I mean, God isn't as concerned who, or he's not even concerned where you come from. He's concerned that his message gets to where it needs to get to. He'll use anybody. He's not looking for people who have the ability. He's looking for people who have the availability. I want to make myself able and available to do the thing that God has asked me to do. We say it all the time. God isn't looking for people who are qualified. He's looking for people who are called, and he will then qualify those who are called. I make myself available, God. And so if I make myself available and I have a message that's going to change everything, well, then I'm going to be unashamed about it. I'm going to bring this message to this place that's full of imperial decrees, that's full of exquisite poetry, that's full of finely crafted moral philosophy. I'm going to bring this message that may not be world class to the Romans, but it is a message I guarantee you, Paul says, you will be forever changed by. This is a must here for the Romans. And so Paul boldly says, I am unashamed. Look at verse 16, because it is the power, somebody say power. Because it is the power that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Power is what Rome could, could uh, understand. They're loud and clear when it comes to power. They're all about power. They take pride in their power. They boast in their power. Now, Paul wasn't really talking about governing power. Paul wasn't talking about uh, military power. He was talking about the power of God. The power that can change every single individual. The power that can change every Roman in a Roman society that was overgrown with corruption and godlessness. God's message speaks to every individual. We say it all the time, nobody is too far gone. You could be a million steps away from God, it's only one step back. I mean, yeah, we certainly do think, well, <laughs> there are a few people that are too far gone. There is no hope for them. And you know what? I'm not God. I'm not gonna judge them. I'm gonna keep sharing. I'm gonna keep proclaiming. I'm gonna keep trying until God tells me to stop. And so this is what Paul is unashamed about. This is why he knows he needs to get the message over here because it contains a power, a power that wasn't just any other news or information that would be forgotten about, a power that was an inherent power, a power that was not brought on by the gospel, but a power that is the gospel church. It contains it. I'm not bringing you something that's then gonna bring you something. I'm bringing you the one thing and the only thing you need, the power of God that's gonna transform your lives, every life, if you receive it by faith. This is what Paul's so unashamed about, the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. And understand, this wasn't an exclusive message to the Jews. Read in Zechariah 8-7, this is what the Lord Almighty says, I will save, somebody say save, I will save my people from the countries of the east and from the west. First to the Jew, not prioritizing the Jew, but understanding that the gospel first came through the ministry of Jesus and the disciples to the Jew, and now it's going to the rest of the world. The power of God, it'll change everybody. And so here we get to verse 17, if you got your Bibles. Verse 17, perhaps the key verse in this chapter, and no doubt the key verse in this whole entire letter of Romans. He says, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. The righteousness of God is revealed, which is to be received by faith. You see, the revelation, God's 
Righteousness comes to those of faith. Habakkuk 2 forces, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. But it's important for us to understand what this means. The righteousness of God revealed by the gospel. Perhaps you've heard this. You know, my dad said it, condemnation. I think a lot of times uh, people think and assume that God is a God who condemns only. Read a bunch of the Old Testament and it's just a God of wrath. Well, I certainly ain't going to step into a church building because I'm going to get struck by lightning because of all my sin. Maybe you're watching it online. You're saying, this is, this is as far as I get from church. I don't want to get struck by lightning. I would say, come to church. I'll get struck with you because I'm in the same boat as you. But this is what a lot of people believe, that God is only a God who condemns. God's message, God's righteousness to make things right is to cast all bad out. And certainly, yes, he wants to cast all sin out. But God's message is for everybody. God's message is for all people. All kinds of people, no matter where you're at, no matter what you believe, no matter what you look like, no matter what you smell like, God is for all people. And so now we sit here and we ask the question and we battle within us, figuring out, God, well, well is it really for all people? And do you really want to save or do you really want to condemn? Because to be honest, I have friends and maybe you know people, they just walk in all of their shame and guilt. It's just evident. You see it. I mean, certainly, listen, I have a lot of sin. And, and I'm going to do my best to, to not necessarily show it. I'm going to speak about it. I'm going to confess it. I'm going to find accountability. But I don't want to walk in it all the time. I know people that just walk in sin, walk in their shame. Not that they're showing you their sin. It's just evident you can see it. It's all in them. Their shame and their guilt. They're bound by it. They ain't freed by it. They're struggling. They can't go anywhere. They're chained to hopelessness. There is no hope. There is no new breath. And I'm sitting here saying, what are you, what are you chained to? All this condemnation, there is no condemnation in those who are in Christ Jesus. Come on, get freed from those shackles. Start walking, start running in grace, church. So many people, this is, this, this is the message of God, it's condemnation. I don't want to get there, I've, got, I've done too much, I've, I've, I regret too much, I can't be there, I can't do that. Don't get me wrong, sin should be confessed, like I've said, but sin is forgiven. Amen. How many are thankful that your sin past, present, and future is forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. And there's nothing I can do that's going to separate that or change that. God has forgiven me by belief, by faith. And so I do my best to confess and forget. Philippians writes, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. John 3.17, we know John 3.16. Some of you have that tatted on your arm or your body. But John 3.17, I mean, this is key. This is understanding fully what the message of Jesus was for and why it came. And it was not to bring condemnation. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I believe, I believe, therefore I have received, and I now know that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that is good news, church. That is what Paul is sitting here saying, I'm unashamed about. Yo, look at my past. I, I, I was murdering believers. You think people are too far gone? I was killing Christians. I was the one who was giving the persecution. You're now receiving the persecution. Stay the course. You got this. You can do this. Trust. Keep shouting. Keep proclaiming. People need to hear the message of Jesus. Don't ever stop. Don't hide it under a bushel. But talk about it. Shout it. Let our shouts get louder. 
Let our shouts strengthen and not silence. We got to be a church who proudly proclaims the name of Jesus Christ. No matter what season we are facing, we talk about Jesus here at Victory Life Church. Amen. The righteousness of God does not condemn the sinner, but it is given to the sinner who puts their trust in Jesus. You can write this down. It's life-giving. It's not life-condemning. It's life-giving. That's, that's, that's so good to say to your friends who are broken, to say to your coworkers who are hurting. To say, I was, just at a, I was just at a meeting this past week with a bunch of businessmen, and somebody's up there sharing their faith about Jesus Saying, listen, this is a broken world, but God is so good. He wants to see you succeed. He has a purpose. He has a plan. He says in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to give you a hope and a future, not to harm you, but to help you. Just hold on to it. You'll see it. Just keep searching. Keep trying. Keep asking. But one day there's got to be a moment in your life where you understand and recognize that you are so at fault and God is so good. I am a savior in need of a, I am a sinner in need of a savior, church. And so I freely accept. So it's, it's, it's those by faith, not because I can see it, not because I can tangibly always feel it, not because it's um, all the equations have aligned up and I've got all the answers now um, and I've figured it all out on my own. I've done all the research. No, it becomes by faith. It's by believing, not seeing. It's life-giving. It's not life condemning it goes on to say it's a righteousness that is by faith from first to last just as it is written the righteous will live by faith you know in the old testament we read a lot about some of the amazing stories the greatest truths the greatest prophecies the, some of the greatest things and, and it's it's full of law righteousness was was you know given and and inherited by doing by works a lot of what people received, a lot of what people were trying to get to was um, by doing things. And so righteousness was received by works. And still to this day, works are important, church. Still to this day, what we do matters. But you have to understand something, that all of the things that we do, all of the works, no matter um, how much we put forth, no matter how much we obey, no matter how much we check off on this box of I've done this and I've done this, apart from faith, nothing else matters. Apart from faith, we can do nothing. Apart from faith, it even goes on to say this in Hebrews eleven six. it is impossible to please God. This is how so many religions say, you gotta work for it, you gotta work for it. Well, guess what? With Jesus, I work from it. I work from righteousness, not for righteousness. And this is what changes, this is what has to change with so many people, even people who think, well, man, my, my, my house in heaven is getting bigger because I'm just doing and doing and doing, and man, I'm just creating and I'm just obeying, and I've got a long list of obedience that God is gonna be so well pleased by. And yes, remember, our works, which will stem from our faith, yes, that's important. But all those works to inherit it does not matter. I can't work to receive it. I can't do anything to get it. I, it can't be bought. It can't be earned. It's free. Jesus says, take it. Paul is saying to the Romans, listen, this free gift, this, this message of, of, of Jesus, this righteousness of God is presented by the gospel of Jesus Christ. So keep going. Keep sharing. People need to hear it because people are dying. This is good news. And so I don't work for righteousness. I work from righteousness. And now that I work 
from righteousness. I start, my mindset shifts, but the things I do change, the things I say changes. This righteousness given through the gospel, which is received through faith alone, makes it possible to live differently, makes it possible to live the way that God has called us to live, God's way, the right way. And so church, I don't know where you're at this morning, watching online, I don't know where you're at this morning, or what you think or what you know about the righteousness of God, but I wanna tell you here today that it's time to believe first, to believe, to know that God is good, to know that he has a plan, to know that he is out there to help you, not destroy you. He is out there to give to you, not to condemn you. And now, once I believe, now it's time to get to work. Now it's time to get to work. Come on, tell somebody next to you, it's time now to get to work. It's time to get to work. I work from it, I don't work for it. I work from it, I don't work for it. This righteousness of God that is revealed by the, by the gospel of Jesus Christ is life-changing. And because it's life-changing, I'm going to shout it from the rooftops. And so, Father God, I just thank you this morning. Father, your word does not return void. Would it change? Would it impact every heart in here? Would we be bold about proclaiming the name of Jesus? Would we be bold about talking about Jesus, doing what he says, walking in who he is, walking in the things of God? I want to close with this passage found in Psalm 96 and meditate on this for a second. Psalm 96, verse 2. David writes, sing to the Lord, praise his name, each day proclaim the good news that he saves. I'm going to say it again. Each day proclaim the good news that he saves. I want you to publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everybody. Come on, somebody shout everybody. Tell everybody about the amazing things he does. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. I want you to tell everybody about it. I want you to shout it. I want you to talk about it. I want you to declare it because people are dying and they need it. There is a Savior who is ready. He is right there. He has set the table. He has given you the chair. Come on, churches, walk into it. This is what we get to do to tell people about the life-changing message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's only then in that moment that we can inherit the righteousness of God. And so I wonder if there's anybody in this room that would say, you know what, I want to be unashamed about Jesus. I want to be unashamed. Just put your hand up for all to see. I want to be unashamed about Jesus. Maybe you've been unashamed. Maybe you're bold about your faith. But today's the day that you're no longer compromising or hiding what you know is to be true. But you're going to start fighting to get it out there and to make it visible to those around you. I want to be unashamed about the gospel of Jesus Christ. So God, this is what we pray today. This is what we ask, Lord. Give us the courage to be bold. Give us the courage to do, God, what you've called us to do. That is to go into all of the nations, teaching them to obey, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. God, give us that courage. 
Give us brothers and sisters around us that we can walk hand in hand, arm in arm, shoulder in shoulder, and do this together. Lord, we know we need to do it together. This is not something we can do alone. Would you provide friendship? Would you provide relationship? God, would you give people coworkers who love Jesus? Would you give people employees that love Jesus? Would you give people employment that loves Jesus and fosters and caters to a society that is loves Jesus? Lord, would that be evident? Would that be possible in this room? Would that be everywhere we go, everything that we do, that we'd be encouraged to live God's way, the right way? And so with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, I wonder if there's anybody in this room that, you know what, I have not believed. I have been doing a lot, but I have certainly not stepped out and believed. And I think it's time for me to believe. I think it's time for me to understand and acknowledge who I am. In Romans it says, <clears throat> we are all sinners. We have all made mistakes. But God sent his one and only son to die for you that you should inherit and receive eternal life. So today, believe. Today, receive. Today, don't wait any other day because you don't know the numbers of your days. You do not know when your last breath will be. Don't take any chances. Today, say, you know what? I want to be certain that I will enter the kingdom of heaven if I die today. And if that's you, I want to pray this prayer. If you're saying, Jacob, you know, I, I, that's me. I, I've held this off long enough. And today I want to know that I'm a child, that I'm a son, that I'm a daughter of God. Jesus says, run, come. I'm here. Grace is here. Mercy is here. Life is here. Condemnation is not welcome here. So bring your burdens. Bring your issues. Bring all your past sin and lay them at the feet of Jesus. In just a moment, we'll let you do that. If you, if you feel God compelling you to come to the altar and pray, to come and lay down some things, to come and put some things at his feet. It says in scripture that how can you come and lay an offering before God when you have hatred towards somebody else? So let's, let's come before him. Let's repent of some things. Let's be encouraged about some things. Let's make some declarations. But if that's you in this room, I'm gonna pray for you. If you're saying, you know what? I need Jesus in my life. I need to accept him. I did it a long time ago and I don't even remember. Maybe I've never done it before, but today is a day where it's real. I'm not saying do it again. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But I'm saying today is the day it becomes real. And if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer. Church, can we all pray this prayer together as a body of Christ? Say, Heavenly Father, Jesus, come into my life. Save me. Heal me. I am a sinner. I've made mistakes. But you are good and you are God. Forgive me of my sins. Change me. Today, I start to serve you and follow you for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. Come on, can we stand to our feet? Can we put our hands together for all those who made that decision? Amen, amen, amen. I wanna invite you at this time, if you need prayer, if you wanna come and just pray at the altar, we're gonna take these next few moments and just worship. Maybe think about some of the things that God has been speaking to you. Maybe think about those passages that we've been reading and say, God, would you open up my heart this week? Would you teach me something? We're gonna leave this space and this altar for prayer as we worship. Jesus, we thank you, we love you. It's your name we pray, amen.
Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way. Everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.